narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Narrative Live. It's the final day, the final night, where we will have to call Donald Trump the President of the United States. And I am thrilled. So good to have Andrew Laufer, the civil rights attorney, with us tonight. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Hey, how's it going, Zeph? Really good. And Lincoln's Bible is here, where there are winds whipping up around her. So uh, she's also warning windy. us that it could be a little windy. What's the weather like? <laughs> yeah. Windy. Windy. <laughs> like uh, hurricane, gale force dry Santa Ana winds two months later than we normally have them. Oh my gosh, it's so weird. Yeah. Well, I hope you stay, you're safe yeah. and your family's safe. And uh, if you need to jump off at any time, just feel free to do so. And Greg Oliar oh, is, is here, the uh, publisher of Prevail, uh, the well-known author. Hi, Greg, how are you? Good, how's it going? I'm good, I'm good. I actually want to start with you because your, your column today was so good in, in Prevail talking about uh, Trump's last day. Uh, so I thought maybe you could talk a little bit about what it means to you. Well, it's been, you know, I was, I wanted to write something special for, I, I publish on Tuesdays anyway, but uh, today is obviously the last day of the worst president that we've had. And it occurs to me that what set the tone for the presidency was the first thing that he did when Sean Spicer, uh, right after inauguration, went to the podium and just lied about the inauguration size. Um, we all knew it was ridiculous. As I wrote in the column, it was like he brought Shaquille O'Neal out next to him and said, I'm taller than him. You know, we can see that we have eyes. We know that you're lying. And Spicer was clearly ordered to lie by Trump and wanted to, you know, do his job. And he just got indignant with the press and lied and lied and lied. And after that lie, Kellyanne Conway went on Chuck Todd's show and and said alternative facts for the first time and we're off to the races and and it has been a four-year assault upon the truth you know as i wrote reality is not the winner we have uh, multiple realities now we have people that believe complete disprovable poppycock to such a degree that they're willing to risk decades in federal prison to go storm the Capitol and steal shit from Nancy Pelosi's desk. We have, um, a, you know, just four years of lies. I mean, I, I sat down and wrote this column and I didn't even really have to think about it that much because there's so many lies that he's told in, in every direction, starting with what got me interested in, in the story to begin with the Russia stuff. It was always lies about that. No, there was no contact with any members of the campaign and Russia. But there were, there were constant. Then the, the lies about his health. You know, he's he's the best, most fit guy ever. He's 6'3", 235. He's not 6'3". He's shorter than Obama. We, we, we know, we can see, you know, the, this, this complete crap. But when you get pummeled that way, like a battering ram on your senses, just the, the constant gaslighting, it makes you think you're insane. But we're not insane. We're not. Because right now, it's the last day of Trump's presidency, his one-term, two-impeached presidency. And the four of us are not in Gitmo. We haven't been rounded up by the QAnon secret forces. 
right? I can use, uh, I can use the case in the Caribbean, though, Greg. Love you here in Cuba. At this point, whatever. I'll go to JFK Jr. Yeah. is going to come and fly us there on his private jet. Isn't that, wasn't that the, the prophecy of the, you know, and it's, I, and we, oh. this is, this is the challenge now. This is the challenge that Joe and Kamala face more even than, than the coronavirus, which they'll, they'll, they have that, you know, they've got the vaccines. They'll figure that out as horrible as it is. The, the lingering challenge is going to be what to do with, with this assault on reality and how to bring all of these people back to goddamn planet earth you know that's that's yeah. the challenge and while we had you know it was absolutely an assault on reality and assault on truth and an information war which i you know keep coming back to we we have been in a war and the trauma from that is going to be very very difficult for a lot of us to to endure but we also need to anticipate that it's coming but it hasn't only been an information war i mean we've been fighting for our lives Four hundred thousand people uh, have now died in the united states from coronavirus, a remarkable number, by any stretch of any any calculation, but also just such a big number for compared to the rest of the world, and there and the, the blame for a lot of this really has to go to Donald Trump. His mismanagement of this has been an absolute disaster. I mean, so it's not just like he was just a bad president who lied a lot. He's a bad president who lied a lot and killed four hundred thousand people. And you know, the by sick thing is about the thing, yeah. Mm. No, I was just going to mention the sick thing is, you know, with regard to these lies, is, is that's what's killed people. You know, the, the, willful, the willful ignorance, you know, the moving the overton right. window, um, you know, the, the shifting of reality as what Greg really kind of dug into today, which was great, as usually writes great articles. And, 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 and um, you know, it, it really was just a complete like mass hypnosis in a way. And we need to we need to these are these are still Americans. Maybe we can save some of them. You know, I mean bring them back to reality without having, you know, to put them in, in prison. I, I don't know. You know, I well, mean, we need I, to, we need to bring them back. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's a huge number of to, people. We need, to, we need a lot of mental health, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, help here. I mean, it really is um, sick. What happened? Yeah. Half of us have lived yeah. through the trauma because we knew it was happening. Half of us have been in denial. And so you've got a, you know, we all have to come to terms with it. And, and, and anytime you've lived through anyone who knows anything about living through PTSD and those kinds of things, it's, it, it's a process. It's not something that happens uh, quickly or easily and requires a lot of talking, and a lot of um, confronting the events that have happened before. Um, and, you know, for all of us, we've been at it for four years. I haven't really thought about it that much during those four years because we've just been, I don't know, every day you wake up and you're sort of fighting the fight, right? You just sort of, here comes another incoming, you know, missile from Trump or from who knows, you know, whichever sort of operation might be operating on that day to convince you of one thing or another. And you're constantly being in a fight um, to tell people what the truth is against this kind of formidable enemy that's made up of, of foreign nations, not just of, of random people. Um, and not so coming to it either. You know, yeah. that's another thing. There's a lot of smart people that, that became, that fell victim to this. Yeah. And um, yes. Okay. You know, so you, I, yeah, I, yeah. I have some things to this say. Was, this was for you. Go ahead, Aldi. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's connective tissue to all of what you guys are talking about that also has to do with um, the people we have lost and the Americans we have lost. And some we have are not lost forever. Their minds are lost right now. Um, but we can, and it's not about everyone... I, 
finally, I feel like in the mainstream media, we're hearing words like radicalization, and pretty soon we're going to hear psychological warfare, and hopefully that will get into psychological torture, which is really what has happened um, to everybody. Uh, so uh, I'm pleased that that words, as you guys all know, it's been me for four years, like a couple other people on an island going, ah, it's a psyop, it's a psyop, you guys, this is what's going on, um, knowing what was happening um, at, a, at, a, at a granular level and watching it happen and watching it grow and knowing um, what the architecture was behind all of that. That's for another show. We can keep getting into all that. But what I want to talk about today is people, uh, trauma is a, it's a, it's a force that was also weaponized. So the folks that we're seeing, we're all going to have our trauma that we walk through, but the people who found the fantasy and went into the fantasy and really believe it's real and they're in that alternate reality, uh, trauma was used to move them there as well. Some type of pain often, uh, and then once they got in there, once the resentment or the grievance, and a lot of it is just, yes, we could say white grievance. You could say that for the tear of it and the misogyny and all of that. But it became a mass scale, Q and on and all these, uh, it's not just Q. It's like this. these movements became a, ma this right-wing radicalization movement was a mass scale psychological warfare with the intent to radicalize, to push people out of reality and into an agenda where they're willing to go ahead and go full jihadi. <laughs> this is what we watched on, on January yeah. 6th. They, they're in a belief set that they subscribe to that has them willing to not just go to jail, Greg, but give their lives or take the life yeah. of another. They're, they have been tortured and yeah. we have to think of it that way. Um, so that's, uh, they're in it and trauma in their lives made them a prime target mm -hmm. and then subjecting them to traumatizing images, traumatizing semantics. I don't know if you guys saw a tweet that I put out a week and a half ago after January 6th when I could see the talking heads all talking about this and they, everybody wanted to jump in and talk about QAnon all of a sudden, who these people were. And I'm like, oh my God, you have no idea how violent all of that that world is you know women and mothers who were who fell down that rabbit hole and were subjected to horrifying images and stories about what was happening to children and all of a sudden they're in there stop the children oh my god the satanic pedophiles they were traumatized and probably underneath that is a trauma of their own that made them susceptible to this right that yeah. that so so what and this all sounds like where i'm going with this is pay attention to what happened today and the leadership we have today. The very first thing Joe Biden is doing on the eve of his inauguration, is sort of his first big act as president because he's back in DC. This is going to happen. He will be inaugurated. He addressed our pain. He addressed our pain. He lit, I'm gonna cry. He lit all those candles and he acknowledged, he's let, this is grief. What we're seeing with all this hate and with a lot, with a lot of it, and with a lot of the, a lot of the people that you know on January sixth, what you were actually seeing was people in a lot of pain, and they're disconnected to where that pain is coming from, who's inflicted it on them, what that trauma is, and so I just want everyone to take heart that it's actually not going to be 
We have really tough days ahead for sure, I believe. But I also believe we have the right leadership in place. We have someone who's in there saying, look, you just need to grieve. Mm -hmm. You just need to let yourself grieve and let yourself feel. And here's the reality of what's happening. And we need to listen to people and you need to be there for people if you have them in their life as they're expressing all of their outrage and all of their rage. Underneath all that is some pain. Now, yeah. there's a there's a white supremacist terrorist. <laughs> Fuck them. I don't I'm yeah. talking about them. But, but you yes, know, and that's right. a big problem. And that gets addressed with the people who know how to address that law enforcement. We're going to have a domestic terror, uh, uh, a whole big movement. Now we have the new director of national intelligence coming in and Homeland director of Homeland Security coming in. And they're like, domestic terror is on our number one list. That's new, guys. You know, guys, can I just, I just want to bring Jill Weinbanks sure. in because I know we don't have her for oh, a yeah. whole long time and she did call in. Okay. So let's just say hi to Jill Weinbanks. It's only over audio tonight, but hi, Jill. How are you? Hi, Zev. It's great to be with you. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today. We wanted to talk about pardons, but we don't yet have that pardon list. You were the person who predicted to me that it was going to be 11.59 tomorrow, that he might put out all the pardons. Uh, and uh, and is, that, is that still your prediction of what might happen? Well, I think maybe a little before 11.59, but yeah. after 10 a.m. I mean, he's going to do his maximum amount of damage to the inauguration. He wants to show that he's still got power and control, and he wants to interfere. So he's not going to do it tonight because it won't interfere. He wants to break up the news cycle with his news of pardons, and I think that's when he's going to do it is tomorrow morning. Uh, he only has until 11.59 because at 12 o'clock, He's not the president. He can't fly on Air Force One, and he can't issue pardons. So he doesn't have to release them, however. He can right. do them right. and sign them and just keep them secret until he wants to disrupt more news cycle. So that's come up a lot about the secrecy. We'll get to that in a second. But I also want to talk about the impeachment trial because you know, you, everyone knows you as the Watergate girl. You wrote that beautiful book, uh, which everyone should read. Um, and everyone knows that you were the prosecutor who helped, you know, nail that case. And so as we face a second impeachment for Donald Trump, what are your thoughts? I think that this is an easy trial. It won't take long to try. It happened in front of all of us. And in fact, the jurors saw it. So yeah. how much evidence do they need to ha see? They have watched him tell lies for four years. And then more recently, his lies about the election fraud, which is what riled up his voters and led them to the place where they were. And then he said on the mall, go and march to the Capitol and fight like hell. Those are fighting words that are not protected by the First Amendment and if this isn't an impeachable offense, I cannot think of one that would be. So it's sort of now or never. I think there's enough Republican senators who are indicating that they think the same thing. And I think that it means that there could be a conviction. And that's important, even though he's out of office after noon tomorrow, because he hasn't been prevented from running again. And a conviction 
could come with a penalty. It's a separate vote. So he, they'd have to convict and then they'd have to vote to bar him from ever running from office again. But I think that's the reason why they would vote to convict is to save the Republican Party, to save democracy and make sure he doesn't raise money from gullible people who are supporting him to run for an office that he is barred from. Can you extend that to other politicians? Can you extend that to Hawley and, you know, these Congress people who are out there supporting him? Can you extend yes, that impeachment um, towards them? It, absolutely. Or just expulsion. They can be expelled from Congress by Congress itself. And again, their conduct is such, and I think there are a number, I don't know the names, but we know that there are members of Congress who gave a reconnaissance uh, tours of the of the Capitol to people who ended up invading the Capitol, insurrectionists, and so I think they are guilty too. Uh, <clears throat> frankly, I think anyone who voted to support the objection is guilty. Yeah, I, I, I do. That that vote certainly held them in the Senate chamber where the when the insurrectionists were coming in, right? With, yeah. So, so yes, if they had been held in there, I mean, that was that was to me the timing of all that was bad. I have a I have a couple questions for you, Jill. So my first question is, if in an investigation we start to see communications, I mean, that Holly fist bump really bothers me. Yes, um, that he did. So if there are senators who were actually involved in the planning of this in any way, and that comes out in an investigation, how can they vote in the impeachment conviction? They can't if they're expelled from Congress. So maybe you need to do them first. Um, there's no question. And it's it's not just that they voted and kept Congress in session during this. Um, it's because I think they would have still been in session just going through each state. Um, it's the fact that they perpetuated the lie that there was something fraudulent about the election. And that's the same thing as saying, yes, believe what the president says, believe that this was stolen from us. You have to protect democracy by going and doing action that will protect democracy. So it's it's not just that they kept them there, it's that they perpetuated the lie that is the basis for yeah. why people um, became domestic yes. terrorists. This is yeah, nothing about So go ahead, Andrew. No, I mean, it's it's like, a, it's like a, uh, they were co-conspirators. They aided and abetted in Trump's yes. big, big lie. Exactly, exactly. And, and Trump is as guilty you know, he did promise them that he was going to walk with them. He was going with them and then, uh, of course, sought the safety of the White House because he is a coward at heart and um, <laughs> didn't go with them. But he pushed them to do that. And that makes him, uh, you know, there's a thing called felony murder. If you're involved in a felony in a conspiracy, you don't have to pull the trigger. You don't even have to know that your co-conspirator had the gun. He saw he had to have seen people with spears um, that were holding flags. I'm sure he knew that people had guns. He should have. A reasonable person would have known that. And a reasonable person would have known that his words were going to lead to violence. And that's the test of whether the First Amendment protects them. You can advocate for overthrow of the government, 
but you can't advocate for overthrow the government when it is likely to provoke an insurrection of this sort, the violence of this sort. That makes you responsible for the violence. So he provoked it, he incited it, and he's guilty of all of their crimes. The entering of the Capitol, um, now maybe he could have gone anywhere in the Capitol. Um, I can't believe that Pence isn't angry beyond words. The crowd was chanting, hang Pence, because he didn't do what Donald Trump wanted. How can Pence face Donald Trump? Um, well, he's not even going to the goodbye ceremony tomorrow. You know, uh, uh, Trump has his own ceremony at the Air Force Base and, uh, and right. Pence is not going, which I think is kind of remarkable when you think about it. The vice president it, is not going. Um, it is, I, but you know who he invited? He did invite a lot of people who have spoken ill of him. Um, I just interviewed... Uh, the mooch, Anthony Scaramucci. Yeah. My Scaramucci. And he was invited to the farewell ceremony. And all he could say was, I can't go. I have an appointment to have my nails pulled out <laughs> and removed by torture. And that is a preferable thing to going to this. And, and he says they must be desperate for a crowd if they're oh, inviting they him. They must be. Oh, yeah. There's no one there. No one wants to go. And all the reporters from D.C. today have been saying just that, that there's just uh, no one, no one is willing to admit that they'll be attending. Oh, it's almost like it's it's still like he thinks it's a rap party for his reality show television. Uh, you know, uh, this is what we used to have. We have rap parties, not used to. We have them. So when a when a series ends, you have the series rap party and you invite all the right. players all the characters that were in that that's what that felt like to me you guys i'm like oh my god he's having a rap party or the launch <laughs> party for his new project his whole presidency yeah. has been this reality show why not have I, a rap party when you go away absolutely <laughs> it underscores Very the idea that, that the reality and fantasy line has been completely destroyed by this this guy um I like what you were saying before about uh, Trump being responsible for the violence and the and the deaths, um, even though he wasn't physically there and doing it, because any way that we can bring Charles Manson into the conversation about Trump, I think is good. <laughs> if it works. Yeah. And, and let's think about COVID, too. I mean, there was a yeah. law um, for AIDS that if you knowingly infected anyone, you were guilty. And I don't, I haven't looked up the law. I'm sorry, I mentioned it without having done the research, but I'm, I promise I will, and I'll let you know. But it seems to me that a similar um, liability attaches when you do not protect America from the COVID and have super spreader events. Uh, anybody who gets COVID after that, of course, they love him, so they will not sue him. But what about the... Uh, Democrat, my congressman, Brad Schneider, um, or an Illinois congressman, uh, got COVID as a result of being locked up during this absolute horrible event with Republicans who refused to mask. Mm. Now, that is really sad. Those people should be held liable. I, I, I hope he's, he's going to be well and it's not going to be a major illness. But getting COVID is no fun. And he got it by having people near him in Congress who wouldn't mask. Uh, I agree with Joe uh, yeah. completely. You know, he, Trump was deliberately indifferent to the health, safety, welfare of the American people. Mm -hmm. He knew 
back in in February and January that this thing was going to be really bad, that COVID was going to be really bad, people were going to die. And yet he's still calling it a democratic hoax back then. So, you know, there's there's no question in my mind that, I mean, civil liability, certainly, you know, criminal liability, potentially. And what, you know, what, what about the options? And I'm, I'm thinking about Nixon, and I'm hoping you can give us some contrasts there. You know, do we think that there's still a possibility, because I still think it's out there, that he will be pardoned? I mean, I still think that in the interest of unity, uh, Biden might do something like that. So your thoughts on that and just, you know, how, how much of a different time is this compared to Nixon? I think that would be a terrible act to do, uh, whether he resigns immediately and gets Pence to pardon him. And again, why would Pence pardon the man who risked not only his life, his wife, his daughter, and his brother? Um, I can't hey, imagine I know I tried to murder being you, but that forgiving. What? No. I said, I, you, I know I tried to murder you, but can, can you do me a favor? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think there's a big difference. Number one, Nixon left office prematurely. He resigned. He accepted not responsibility in the way I would have liked, but he knew humiliation and shame, and he suffered a penalty, which was a forced removal from office. And this is someone who is leaving with a military send-off on Air mm -hmm. Force One, and that is not appropriate punishment. And... Nixon had already been elected twice, so he was not eligible to run for office ever again. Um, well, I suppose he could have run for senator or something else, but um, and the the pardon did, you know, eliminate certain other liabilities he might have had, including our indicting him. I wanted to indict him while he was a sitting president. I do not accept the Office of Legal Counsel opinion as accurate, and certainly. The moment his resignation was announced, members of my team, not all of them, but many of us said, it's time to indict him now. He's a private citizen. There's no argument against indicting him. But while we argued with Leon Jaworski about the appropriateness of that, he got pardoned, and that took away our ability to indict him. Um, but I don't think that there is the kind of remorse he has not allowed a peaceful transition He's refusing to come to the inauguration. He keeps insisting that the election was stolen, which keeps his base riled up. I fear, honestly, that he will start a new network of some sort and a new social media platform because he's been barred from others mm -hmm. and that he will um, uh, Don Winslow. I don't know if any of you follow yeah, him. Of course. Um, yeah, had a new, he had a new video out, which basically says on January 20th at noon, he loses control of the Army, the Navy, the, you know, the entire military and the nuclear arsenal, but he will be the commander-in-chief of a new army, and then it shows all the pictures of the rioters. And that is true. They still think the election was stolen. They actually believe that there was some fraud. And yeah. I don't know what they're gonna do now that even even McConnell is saying, no, there was no fraud. This was 
He's, he's starting a new the- movement. He's starting a new movement. That's yeah, that's what he's. Yeah. He said it in his speech today. It's a, it's a little bit of his speech where he talks about the, this movement is just beginning. So whatever that is, you know, whatever sort of armed thing that he thinks he can do out of right. uh, you know Mar-a-Lago is needs to be stopped, and it needs to be stopped quite effectively by every aspect of government. I mean, we have to we can't let these AONNs and these Newsmaxes stay on the air if they're going to push all the stuff that is just lies and propaganda to support Donald Trump. And we can't have, you know, these militias operating in our country if they're operating on behalf of, of this man who's basically running, you know, as a Russian, who basically ran and governed as a Russian puppet. I mean, it's, we've got to take this very seriously in the, in the coming months and years. Um, if we forget yeah. about it and we pardon it, you know, we're just going to be doomed to repeating it. Exactly. I, I agree. I do hope it won't be for Mar-a-Lago because I think it is. <laughs> he's violating his contract for having made that into a club. Yeah. And he oh, can't really? stay there more than 21 nights and he's violated that. So I'm hoping that they tax. will try to in, enforce it. Oh, and if they enforce it, then he has to find a new home. I wonder Somewhere whether he'll the United States. taking his belongings right now. <laughs> so I have a parting question for you, a legal question for you, Joe. So um, if he does pardon any, if he's convicted um, and even maybe investigated further by justice for inciting an insurrection, for the violence, for, the, it, for that mob um, and everything that led up to that, it, if he, any, what happens to if he does try to pardon, say, Flynn or Stone or... Um, uh, you know, I don't think Bannon's going to get anything, but if he tries, or his son, Don Jr., if he tries to pardon co-conspirators in a thing that he is then later convicted of, do those pardons go away? What happens to those pardons? Because you can't pardon co-conspirators, right? So it's a little weird because it's tricky. No, you can pardon co-conspirators. And once a pardon is issued... It's, it's there. If you bribed him to do it, you could then be subsequently convicted of the bribery, but your conviction and pardon for the original offense would stay. Um, if he pardons himself, which seems, I mean, I'd say the better guess is he won't, um, but he could because you can't predict anything that he might do. Uh, and if he did, I think that would encourage the federal government to bring a federal case against him and in order to test that at the Supreme Court because it is never been decided because no one's ever tried it. Uh, Nixon was pardoned by his successor, uh, his appointed attorney general because his original attorney general with whom he was elected had been convicted of um, crimes and was out of office. So he was the first one to appoint a a new vice president. Uh, When Kennedy was killed, there was no uh, succession plan for Lyndon Johnson, who was vice president, to appoint a replacement vice president. And that's why the 25th Amendment was passed. So that's how how Ford came to pardon him. So, okay. so Jill, let me let me just ask you a quick question. Um, you know, I, I feel as if, I mean, from my legal from a legal perspective, that these pardons that Trump may issue regarding co-conspirators are corrupt. Um, do you believe that uh, Biden's AG Merrick Garland is going to somehow, you know, have his um, have his office challenge them? 
he might. Um, right now, his if he were to try to pardon, for example, the insurrectionists, the domestic terrorists, he would have to know their names at least. Um, I, I don't think he can issue a pardon to anyone who ever gets indicted for insurrection, sedition, uh, illegal trespassing in restricted areas. Um, and so far, there's only a few hundred who have been named and indicted. And whether they have violated um, DC law so that they could then get indicted under DC law um, or get indicted, well, I guess it, it depends on how broad he pardons them. I think that is a step that actually, if he took, that might really push many more than 17 Republican senators to vote for conviction because that is really even for Donald Trump, that would be low, is to forgive people who killed five, five people died so far, and I don't know that there won't be more, but at least five have died. One who was bludgeoned to death. Um, I, I just think you cannot politically survive doing a pardon. I didn't understand. <laughs> we don't understand either. Uh, <laughs> I would be very surprised if he pardoned any of those people because he thinks they're peons. He doesn't care about them at all. I, I, I don't think he. There's no. There's no money in it for him. Well, you know? yeah. Plus, it, it, if it if he thinks it would hurt him, which I think people have said to him, he only yeah. cares about himself, and so he's right. not going to forgive them. And what could be more of a piece of evidence for the Senate than all those people did the right thing? Uh, you know, that would certainly be, I would say, a piece of evidence that would be persuasive. I don't think it would take very long to try this case. Um, it's not going to divert the Senate from confirmation hearings and from immigration reform and hopefully getting vaccine into people's arms. Um, yeah. Illinois is a mess, by the way, in terms of, of how we're handling the COVID distribution. Uh, everywhere, there's no plan. No one seemed to have. It's a mess a plan. everywhere. Yeah. yeah, it's terrible in California. It's just terrible Is here. It? Yeah, I, I mean, oh. and it's because there was no federal uh, oversight, no federal plan, and Donald Trump just didn't care. You know, and that that's, is yeah. the crime. I mean, that's the biggest yeah. crime of the century. Uh, thank you so much, Jill Weinbanks. Thank you for taking some time to spend with us tonight. The, everyone's got to read her book. It's really amazing, uh, The Watergate Girl. And uh, and thank if the you. pardons happen. Um, might try to get back you get back to you, but as I check the Department of Justice pardon list right now, it's still the same as it was a couple of hours ago. So no update yet. On, yeah. Uh, well, on if you hear parts. anything, give me a call. All right, we will. Thank you so much, Jill. <laughs> Thank you. Bye bye. Bye, Have a great Jill. Night. bye. bye, Jill. Oh, she's lovely. I love her. Oh, she's I terrific. love her so much. She's just great. Oh. You know, and when she was doing what she was doing, yeah. And she's just she's a, cool. lays the trail. Can you imagine taking on all those men during a impeachment in the Nixon era? I was like, unbelievable. I mean, she's, she's history. You know what I mean? She's yeah. just she's amazing. Her career is history. Yeah. It's American history. Yeah. And always so nice and and oh. interesting and has so much to share. It's just terrific. Wait, one uh, thing I just want to address what um, LB said earlier. You know, because um, mm. we had a little bit of a back and forth. You know, regarding the radicalization aspect. Because mm. as we know, LB is like a, a, a super pro. When it comes to like breaking this stuff down, not really. And, well, yeah, I mean, you look, you know, I, I've I know nothing, yeah. so you know, 
when it, com when it comes to this stuff. So, I mean, I've learned a lot from you. So thank you for that. But one thing, you know, that I really took from it is that it's the same type of radicalization that you see with jihadis that we see with that's these, right. you know, American born, you know, um, terrorists. I mean, that's essentially what they are. And, and I, it's just a different, different props. They're just different props. Instead of wearing, you know, the jihad right. garb, you're wearing, the same. you know, right. the camo right. and whatever it's, else. It's the same algorithms, you guys. It's the exact same architecture. And I'm, I mean, the same shit. They just put different content in it. <laughs> it's just yeah. different content in it. Yeah. It, it, uh, and if you look at what's interesting, and there's a, now I can't remember his name. I'm so, so sorry. I even texted him and said, can I bring your name up on narrative? Um, I will I will retweet. Um, there's, a, there's a man who's been really working hard just gathering as many people who have, who have been looking at the information at the side uh, and John from uh, the Monk Center up here in Toronto, actually, I think. John, is that the guy's name? Uh, there's, there's, se there's several, okay, right? Okay. And and I'm not, I'm not even saying all the research is perfect, but the framing that he uses is dead on. It's so good. And so uh, one of the things, if, and there's a Medium article, uh, uh, I think he had something to do with as well, that it is from a game developer that develops alternate reality games, which are mm -hmm. games, you know, yeah. just games you can enter mm -hmm. online and you can, you know, become a player or follow a thing. And you're always like unpacking a mystery and trying to discover the next clue. And that person did an analysis of Q and was like, uh, guys, this is alternate reality game architecture. This is, mm -hmm. this is what we build. This is, so it's coming out of, if you remember our last narrative where I was talking about Steve Bannon and the gaming community, and this is what, yeah. right? And this is a, these are, and you'll see on my Twitter often, I use the term military grade um, propaganda, right? This is what I'm talking about is this thing has an architecture to it because it's happening online. There's an architecture. It has built the cot. They know what kind of content they need to push in there. The people who are behind Q and are behind the radicalization. It's not a ton of people that are behind all of this, you guys. I I don't believe. I think it's a core yeah. group of people. I think they've been in there with the Trump with Trump since before his first campaign. Some of these people, and with that original campaign, I will keep saying this. I believe the conspiracy is coming from inside the house. The call is coming. <laughs> the Q is inside the house. It's like this is all these Flynn and. Bannon and Roger Stone, even in his old world, uh, right, and all their fuckaloos, all their little operatives who've been the players in all of this, right? I do believe, and Junior, I do believe they all know what they're doing. One yeah. possibility for people like Ezra Cohen Watnick going inside, right, our intelligence agencies inside our Department of Defense in those last minute additions, it was all kinds of reasons why that might be going on, none of them good. But another possible scenario on the table is this is uh, gathering more content for the Q crazies, right? Like to, to keep feeding that machine. You need constant content to keep filling that kind of gaming machine. Well, we're naive um, if we think this insurrection is not exactly. going to continue. I mean, this thing is going to continue. Yeah. They're going to try to get these Q people whipped up as much as they can, and they'll keep doing whatever they need to do to you know make right. this country as unstable as possible. Yeah. And so they yeah. do need fodder for that. I mean, they still need to maintain their, their connection to that intelligence world to be able to, to feed them that kind of stuff. 
But they also, you know, I'll dispute one thing with you, LB. I do think coal's coming from inside the house, but I do think it's coming from outside too. I do think it comes from from Russia oh, and yes. wherever else. I mean, oh, that's yes. where it was architected. And that's why we're not really getting that's rid right. of it by getting rid of Donald Trump. It's that mechanism is still gonna be working there. And just to think how open and, and, and how open we were in twenty in twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen, you know, to yeah. Russian active measures. I mean, yeah. you know, they, they were oh, yeah. they, they didn't penetrate like they could during the Cold War because they didn't have a medium to penetrate with. Right. Now right. social media, you know, we retrace this, we Love. go through this over and over again. I mean, but you know, these are the vectors, you know, these are the vectors they use the Facebook, Twitter, all social media. I mean, it's how it's poisoning hundreds of millions of people every day, you know, um, you know, and, and uh, I, my, my, my hope and my feeling is that we've, we've, Got more of a handle on it, especially when Biden rolls in. You know, I, you know, we, we'll, we'll put a t- stop to it. But I mean, that really, you know, just—it's like literally just walking down the street and someone just throws a haymaker at your head and smashes it. You know, Look, and it's you a difficult first debate with argument. It's a first amendment debate, though, right? I mean, people are allowed to say whatever they want to say, even if they're foreign governments. Ultimately, that's yeah. But but uh, in my opinion, aren't they? the first amendment does not protect a, a hostile intelligence service. For using using weaponized propaganda to attack your your, your right. civilians, it, mm. it just doesn't. So, you know, we need to kind of tinker with things a little bit from a legal perspective to kind of put not limits on the First Amendment, but limits on 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 bad actors, mm. you know, domestically and and from and, and foreign from attacking us, and using well, algorithms in this way. I mean, human experimentation is a crime without consent. Psychological mm. experimentation without informed consent is a crime. It's not a First Amendment. It's not free speech. So I think it might end up being, if if there's real courage to investigate this, there are people with the tools and the skill set that can pull all this apart, no matter how long ago its origins may be, and, and look at it, because it's you can study it. So it could end up being just on the heads of um, Bannon and Mercer and the and SCL and Cambridge Analytica and Cygrip with Joel Zamel and maybe that meeting that, that we've been trying to figure out in August. Did you have that August that 6th meeting? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that mysterious meeting. So if we know that people's data was taken and scraped, right, and then they were put through an experiment, being that they were in placed in a database, segmented based on whatever their profiles were, and then semantics and words and things were tested on them and pushed on them through those SEL tests and other and other methods, other things, memes, okay, how are people reacting? And then that gave the base data, the base information set, right, in order to craft uh, this, this PSYOP and then launch it on the broader population. Mm-hmm. And those people that were originally experimented on, and it would be in the millions, right, did not give informed consent for that experimentation. Then we're getting into legal t- territory, which we can prosecute. Right. I yeah. believe. I'm not a lawyer. I agree. I agree. But I, so I believe that's, that's, that's how you get into territory that has nothing to do with First Amendment. There's an attempt to argue for more surveillance of people's social media by the state. Now, I imagine that happens a fair amount anyhow, but it is going to be a new sort of confrontation we have to, uh, to have. Like, do we allow the state to you know, put their nose into our social media if it prevents events like January the 6th? Um, it's certainly been the pattern in the past that after a terror attack, we've allowed these things to happen. And it's, it's, it's beginning to be, uh, that argument is beginning to be made by people who are also on the board of Carbon you know, uh, and those other companies that we are all a little sus- suspect of. So I, I'm curious, uh, Andrew, what your thoughts are about that. You know, how do you put limitations on, on that but also still protect people? 
You, you know, that's tough. I mean, my personal feeling, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm like, I got a real civil libertarian streak in me. You know, I'm a Democrat, registered, whatever, but I'm all about privacy. I'm all about First Amendment, supporting it. You know, and it's ironic, you know, I'm, I'll get to the answer in a second. It's just ironic I find myself in the prosecutor's chair, someone I oppose all the time, you know, lately. Um, two things. First, I think that we need our government to protect us from um, foreign, you know, from enemies, domestic and foreign enemies, using it as, as a vector to, you know, attack us psychologically. I mean, it's it's weird that I have to say it that way. It's 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 all touchy-feely. But really, you know, you, you've got to kind of define what all that is in order to craft the appropriate statute. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, there's work that goes into that. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you're always, whenever you're crafting, you know, statutes or, or memorandum or whatever is going to go before a court, whatever is going to be challenged and, and it has to survive, you know, strict scrutiny because you're dealing with a fundamental right before, you know, SCOTUS, you always kind of think ahead, well, how am I going to be able to craft this narrowly enough? Because you're tinkering with a First Amendment issue here that it'll survive judicial review. I think that you got to start from the outside. You got to prevent, you know, MSS and, 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 you know, KSA, you know, you know, whatever their, whatever their psyops are and, and, uh, and, 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 you know, grew and SVR from, from using these tools to, 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 you know, these tools that are open to everyone in the world from attacking us. So how do you do that? How do you craft a statute that can prevent foreign adversaries or, or, or frenemies from, from doing what they do? That's the first step you got to start thinking about. And what way do we do that? And what realm is that in? Is that national? Does that become a national security issue? Which I think it does. Uh, another thing that I think is very important. I think Molly McHugh actually mentioned it today, which I was reading. I found very interesting. Is that we need to deal with how we how how we deal with conflict in the gray zone, in the gray area, because that's basically what all this is. You know, she once said, I remember, and this stuck with me, that she wished tanks were rolling across borders because people would wake up and be like, oh, we're being invaded. You know, but, you know, this is a gray area, touchy-feely thing. How, how are we going to define what our responses are, what, what, what our conduct will be in that, gray, in that gray zone? And I think social media really plays a part in that and in and, and, and ways that adversaries, domestic, you know, you know, because you've got a lot of domestics imitating SVR group crap you know uh and inflicting on us now so you know it, it's 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 just part and parcel to to building up a national plan and i think that we can't really do it piecemeal we need to kind of have a general plan what are our objectives narrative is funded by viewers like you support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative <laughs>